Hello? Hello? Hi, can you Hi. hear me? Yes, I can hear you just perfectly. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. How's Singapore today? It is bright and sunny, as always. <laughs> It's just morning. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, the sun comes out pretty early here. And, um, you know, we're, I don't know, we're really close to the equator. So um, true. just hot and warm all year round. Otherwise, it's yeah. rainy season. So. <laughs> Well, good. Um, I took the liberty of stalking you a little bit on Facebook, by the way. I'm going to you right away. Because I wanted to know just more about you. I already love your story, but I just want to make that connection beforehand. And there's one of your posts that you had um, shared a while ago about if you're from a developing country and went to an advanced country, you're regarded as a, an immigrant. But it was the other way you're regarded as an expatriate. I love that. And I, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> I've never seen it written that way before, but it, it does make sense. Hello, everyone. I am Mosibel. And this is the More Civil Podcast. Get started now. Cool. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Morrisville Podcast, a podcast about culture, cultural nomads designed for blacks and Asians and those who love them. I'm your host, Morrisville, Nigerian born, US educated, Korean speaking, struggling intellectual. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I found your article online when I had done a, a cursory research on Google about thought culture and I was redirected to their blog post on Medium. Just reading her article on Medium, I thought to myself, wow, this person is really speaking my language. And I did something which was so unusual of me. I sent them an email right away and I was hoping, I hope she responds. And she did. And, you know, we've been talking back and forth and I'm very, very excited to bring her on board. Her name is Zolonia and she's American-born, Taiwanese, Ethiopian. Oh my goodness. With life chapters spanning the U.S. and Asians, she identifies as a citizen of the world and she challenges conventional notions of identity and purpose and evangelizes life and work by design. Through her work, she empowers individuals and organizations to create meaningful change and sustainable impact by building on shared values, inspired visions, and bold actions. She's also the co-founder of the Change School, and I'll let her explain more of that once I bring her on the show. She also designs and facilitates transformational learning for harnessing self-discovery, entrepreneurial grit, and creative intelligence. She's a writer, storyteller, and a mindset coach. She has been recognized as Asia's 50 Women Leaders for Leadership Excellence by CMO Asia, awarded for Global Training and Development Leadership by the World Training and Development Congress, and she was recently invited to speak at TEDx Auckland on the future of global citizenship. Please join me in welcoming Solonia to the podcast. Hello, Solonia. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm glad we finally found the time between your time zone and my time zone, the U.S. and Singapore. We finally made it work. <laughs> I know. It's always tricky trying to um, to work out different time zones, right? Yeah, yeah. You had to, because you told me GMT plus 8, and I'm like, oh, that's like almost 13 hours from where I am. <laughs> exactly. So it's a day ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it's a day ahead, and finally we, we made it work. But I'm really, really excited um, bringing you on the show. And I must also say this again. Thank you so much for responding to my request to have you on board. I mean, you were very, you were such a, spot about it and this was really very encouraging so thank you very oh, much my pleasure my pleasure so um your description alone you know american born taiwanese Ethiopian, just that alone tells many stories what does that mean to you having such a very rich cultural heritage yeah um well it's definitely not one um i've come across too often um yeah. despite you know despite having grown up in international schools and and been very fortunate to you know live in different parts of the world um 
I definitely met a lot of, you know, really interesting mixes. Um, and for myself, I think, you know, it's, it's really given me a very culturally rich upbringing. Um, and I like to say, or I like to believe, um, a very unique perspective on, you know, how we define our own identity, how we find a sense of belonging in the world. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I feel very fortunate for it. And I guess for me, even though they are two very, very different cultures, um, I tend to see a lot of similarities and I really try and build on those. So it's funny you mentioned that because I recently, well, not recently, like beginning of the year, I wrote about Korean language and why I studied it and the more I looked at the culture the more I saw so many similarities with the African culture as far as you know some of the values you hold very dearly but I wanted to hear from your perspective mine was more um, it's, I'm learning the language Korean language but you are living that experience on a different level than I am so what would you say are some of the similarities you see between you know the Taiwanese culture and also your Ethiopian culture yeah so I mean I think you touched on it actually when you when you mentioned you know the idea of core values um, and I think that's definitely something thing I see as well. I think one reason for that is that, you know, both both Chinese and Ethiopian cultures are very old cultures, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, the, just the fact that there's so much history already mm -hmm. creates a lot of similarities on core values. And, you know, um, again, I think it's like same, same, but different. <laughs> That's yeah. a phrase we use a lot here um, in <laughs> Southeast Asia. And I think you know, as an example, both my parents um, were pretty, you know, they're, they both moved to America very young and they were academics. So, you know, the whole idea of moving to, in this case, the U.S., is a huge focus on learning and education and importance of that. And I think that was really imbibed in me from a very young age. I think, you know, growing up, so because when until the age of nine when I was living in the U.S., um, I was very much raised by my Ethiopian side of the family um, because they were living in the U.S. And so, you know, this idea of, of celebrating through food and, you know, idea of um, fam familial piety, you know, and respect to your elders. Elders, um, yeah. You know, things like this were, were really important um, growing up. And then from the age of around seven onwards, when I started being, uh, my mom would send me to Taiwan to spend time with her family during my summer holidays. And that's where I thought, you know, same, same, but different. So similarly in Chinese culture, there's a lot around familial piety. Um, you know, food really brings people together. And then there's some differences, right? I think here in Asia, we always talk about like Asian moms and growing up in Asian families. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it comes with a lot of uh, certain pressures, I guess, you know, yeah. um, and certain beliefs around, you know, what is that trajectory? We always joke around and say, you know, if, if you have an Asian family, you are told to either become a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer, you know. Or nothing else. <laughs> or nothing else, right? Everything else is not real. Not a real career, um, which, you know, uh, is interesting. I think, you know, because of that sort of background and upbringing, um, it really helped me to appreciate, um, you know, historical cultures and to be able to connect with people from different backgrounds because you're constantly 
adapting um, and you're making connection, you're making empathetic connections, right? Trying to understand why um, certain belief systems exist and, yeah. you know, how do you adapt the way you communicate and interact? So I think that's on the positive side. Maybe yeah. on the, the, I don't want to say negative, but probably... The downside, the less positive side. Exactly. Yeah, so, that have yeah. <laughs> come up probably been more, I think, in, in those developmental years, like, you know, probably in my late teens to my mid-20s when you really start to discover who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that part of that journey has been about sort of unraveling and coming into myself. So that's, you know, taking those core values that I grew up with and choosing, you know, which ones of those are, are really mine, which ones serve me, and which ones do I, you know, want to kind of let go of, right? Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes, you know, when we grow up, our values are what our parents teach us. They're what society sure. teaches us, right? As yeah. we grow older, as we experience and learn from life, we start to develop our own values. And yeah. I think sometimes that can cause a bit of an identity crisis at, at yeah. certain points in your life, right? Because you're like, well, who am I? What do I believe? And where do those beliefs come from? Um, sure. So I think that's been sort of an ongoing journey for me. Yeah. But it also is, you know, I find it really in interesting and super exciting. And I think that's also what's been integrated into the work that I do now. Oh, thank you for that extensive explanation. That makes <laughs> a whole lot of sense. <laughs> now, um, so what's it like living in Singapore now? Because I mean, you do have that Taiwanese part of you and the Ethiopian part of you. At the rate that you're going, you might have to adopt the Singaporean part of you. Has there been, would you say, has there been like a way of, uh, like a cohesion, in a way of bringing all your identities together or some things, some things to stand apart? I know it's still, Singapore is in Asia, but they, they definitely have like vast um, differences as far as cultural expression with um, Taiwan culture. What has that been like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, again, I mean, I think the same theme kind of runs through, you know, this idea of sort of same, same, but different. Um, yeah. I think when I first moved back to the States for college, the first two years were really, really hard. It was sort of like mm -hmm. a culture shock, which I did not anticipate at all. Um, so it really, you know, that was probably one of the, the key pivotal moments in me trying to redefine my own identity and find that sense of belonging. When I moved back, back again to Singapore, which was now 10 years ago, once again, it was a very familiar feeling of this um, reverse culture shock because yeah. I had, you know, after college, you know, started working in the States and basically spent about eight years back there. So in a lot of ways, I kind of re-Americanized myself. Um, and then coming back to Singapore, I was like, hang on, um, this, is, this is like back in time again, yet, you know, it's a different point in time in my life. Um, now, the beauty, you know, one of my favorite things about Singapore is that it is so diverse. And actually, in college, I wrote a, a thesis on this, which was sort of the difference between homogenization and um, a cultural melting pot. Um, what I sort of saw as the key difference is a lot of the times when, you know, um, when people of different cultural backgrounds move to America, there's more a push to homogenize, right, to become American 
or to um, adopt the American culture. In Singapore, by contrast, I feel and, and really appreciate the fact that there's no real um, uh, need or pressure to become Singaporean, so to speak, mm. right? Everybody can kind of coexist, and what I love is that there's a there's this feeling that everyone's really able to retain their culture and to retain their belief while existing in um, a very diverse society. So, you know, and and as an example, Singapore has four official languages, right? So there's English, Mandarin, Malay, um, and Bahasa. And, um, and within that context, there's also so many different cultures. There's a lot of Indians here. There's a lot of British because it's a form. It was, you know, because of the colonial history. Masters, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so... Um, you know, for me, I think it did take time to readjust to being in Asia in general, right? Because there's definitely still a lot of those old Asian values and um, cultural influences here. But it's also been easier in a lot of ways because it's such a transient place. You're constantly meeting people from different backgrounds, coming with different ideas. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that diversity is what breeds um, creativity and innovation. And so it's super exciting here. And I think having Mandarin and Taiwanese um, language under my belt has really helped to connect with Singaporean local culture on a deeper level. And that's why sometimes, you know, I always shun this idea of being an expat in Singapore because in many ways I feel that it's home. Um, So, you know, there's all these different things, I think, to reconcile. I love that you said you called yourself a struggling intellectual. (laughs) That's something I can relate to when I try to think about how to make sense of all these different dynamics as well. Yeah, wow. Thank you for that. So you had said earlier that it was a little bit harder for you to adjust to the U.S., and I can understand why there will be challenges in that way. What would you say was the the one culture shock you had moving to the U.S. for college? Yeah, so I'll give two examples because these are always ones that stick with me, you know. Um... So one one thing that was quite hard is, you know, because I was born in America and obviously spent my early years there, um, you know, I'm an American passport holder and usually in the U.S., that's, you know, if you've got that blue book, you're American. Um, So I remember during orientation week in college, um, you know, where everyone's sitting around a circle kind of telling each other where they're from, etc., and... I found at that time I was freshly back from Singapore. That's where I had mm-hmm. grown up in Asia, right? So I sort of told the story as, you know, I was born in the U.S., but, um, you know, I've grown up in Asia, and for me, home is Singapore. And what I noticed was that I got some very, well, I got very different responses, but one of the most common reactions was, you know, this sort of, people would say, well, you're just American, right? You're from Boston. Why complicate it? Um, and, and I think I didn't understand it that well at the time, but it always bothered me. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and over the years, I've come, I've come to understand it better, which kind of leads me to my second example, which is that, you know, my feeling was that being in the U.S., there's, there seemed to be less interest, less curiosity, less connection around, you know, cultural influences, right, and the rest of the world in general and what that means for somebody in terms of how it shapes who they are and what they believe. And I always felt that in my interactions and conversations with a lot of my American friends, 
there wasn't ever that, that curiosity to go, oh, what were things like in Asia? How is it different? The, the conversation you and I are having, for example, is not yeah. really one that I would have there. Um, so that always kind of felt like a void because it's very much a part of, of who I am, you know? And so that, I think, was, was hard for me um, to kind of, I felt the need to just let go of my attachments to other parts of the world and just accept that, okay, here I am, I'm American, I'm American. Yeah. no yeah. big deal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I think that that was one of the biggest things. And so, and because even on an administrative level in the university, they always mm-hmm. treated me as an American student. There was like separate housing for international students, separate active communities and I wanted to be part of that because I almost felt more connected to them. Um, yeah. But, you know, I didn't have that. And so it it was really much harder for me to adjust um, because I have those resources or communities um, accessible to me. Wow, very true, very true. And I found that, you know, that can be said for most Americans I meet here. But the ones that are very, I, I want to say culturally curious or culturally patient, are the ones that have been exposed to more international students. So they like to ask you questions. Exactly. I love... I I love this question because it means you're showing interest in my culture. You know, you totally. say you want to find out what does the name mean again? Oh, where are you from? Exactly. And interestingly, I mean, just to add, I mean, the reverse, I also found the reverse to be true. So sometimes, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to tiptoe a little bit. I don't want to be politically incorrect, but sometimes if I would meet someone, you know, in, in the States who like um, looked Asian or looked like they had a mixed background, I would always yeah. ask them where are you from? And I would always get an answer like, you know, Idaho or Arizona, whatever, like where they were in the States. And I was like, okay, but like, what's your um, And interestingly, there was a bit of resistance. Like people would kind of be like, well, why are you asking me that? Or, you know, I'm just American, man. <laughs> yeah. you know? I always, I always twist that question around. Okay, where are your parents from? And they always not get to the gist. Yeah, it's almost as if it's an offense asking them where they're exactly. from. And you, look, you look like you have a rich cultural heritage. I mean, what does American look like? We don't even know what American looks like. America exactly. is like a, it's a melting pot it's now. A anyone pot. can be American. Totally. Exactly. It's a hodgepodge. Totally. So anyone can anyone can be American, but where are you from? What's your ethno what's the word for that? Like what's your biological make I wanna know your story basically. Tell me tell Exactly. Me. And that's the thing, I would stutter because I was like, I don't even know how to ask without being offensive because I was exactly. finding people were getting offended, you know? <laughs> We've been so used to be asked those questions. It doesn't seem offensive to me anymore. I, I have like a, like a script ready to like tell people where I'm from. I said, well, I'm Nigerian, but I lived in Austin for a while. And I live in New York. <laughs> yeah. And I just run through your script and it's, it's, it's easy now. But I, exactly. I, get, I, get, I get what you mean by that. Yeah. So what's, yeah. What's the concept of friendship for you now? I can imagine that most of your friends will be those that, that have like a, a global um, perspective on things. But then but to you, how would you say the, your, your heritage has shaped your idea of friendship, especially how you've moved around from one point to another almost all your life? Yeah, um, that's a great question, you know, and I think it is something I, I think about and even talk to my, my friends and my husband about quite a lot. Um, you know, again, you know, what one thing I've noticed, especially um, having gone to university in the U.S., is that, mm-hmm. you know, for most people, that's where a lot of their sort of lifelong friendships were cultivated, Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think in, to some extent it also applies to me. I think some of my, my best friends to date are still 
um, those, you know, who I've met in the States, and, and a lot of them are American, so I don't necessarily see them all, very often. Um, but I think, you know, the the lifelong friendships that I feel so fortunate to have really uh, the majority are from my high school, which was an international school in Singapore. And um, as I said earlier, right, like they, they themselves are so mixed, right? Um, they're mixed in their backgrounds. Um, they, they, they've also been fortunate to have, you know, early year exposure to different parts yeah. of the world. And I yeah. think that understanding, that curiosity, that ability to adapt to different cultures, to connect with people from all walks of life, that really yeah. creates a bond. It's like shared values, right? Mm-hmm. It, and that, I think, has allowed me to um, really deepen my relationship and friendships with those types of people to the point that it almost becomes hard to make new friends sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, because you almost have this expectation, right? It's like, okay, yeah. if you can't have these conversations with me or if you're not even interested, you know, we can't be friends, which sounds awful, but, yeah. you know, it really is hard because obviously, you know, we, we relationships tend to be built on common interests or shared values, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that's really, um, that's how my background has shaped, yeah, my friendships and relationships. Good. So f- for those that are listening right now that might have similar backgrounds um, as yours, what tips do you give them for surviving as a cultural nomad? Oh, wow. That's really tough. Um, you know, I think, I think a few things. I think um, from my own experience, what I would say is, like, you go through different phases, right? There is yeah. an evolution and a growth um, of, of people in general, but also yeah. of how we um, understand who we are, right, and, and yeah. share that with the world. So I would say one is really embrace, um, embrace your cultural richness, you know. I think at different points in your life, like, for example, when I was living in Taiwan, I was, you know, 11, 12. At that time, they, they, Taiwan really hadn't seen many foreigners. And without any bad intentions, right, I, the social interactions I had were a lot of times very hurtful. Um, because they would say things, ask questions in ways that they didn't realize could be very um, offensive. And so I think, you know, there are points in your life where you may feel inclined to hide your cultural identity and background. And I I would encourage anybody who feels that way um, to just to to rise above that um, and to feel fearful and not feel shame or not feel insecurity because you're different from other people because that difference is what makes you unique. Um, That difference is what makes you able to have certain skills that some people spend a lifetime trying to cultivate, right? Mm -hmm. The ability to change, the ability to connect with different people. Um, These are really, really great strengths. And I think that if you are lucky enough to have, you know, a cultural mix, then really hone those skills, you know, and and see them as strengths, not as a weakness. Um, And I would say, you know, also bring that curiosity into your life and work. You know, I think having that background really allows us to be very open-minded, open to new 
ideas, to new perspectives, to new ways of doing things. You know, embrace that as well as a personal trait and allow that to take you further in life and even in your profession. Um, because I think, you know, great things happen when we can have a growth mindset and not be too fixated on certain ways, um, certain cultural rules or social norms, etc. Um, so it's, it's being a bit of an adventurer in life and knowing that sometimes that may mean walking a slightly lonelier path. But um, I think if you actively seek out people, again, with shared identity, shared values, shared, values, shared yeah. beliefs, um, then that's where you find your tribe, you know? That's my word, tribe. Find a tribe. It's all about the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the tribe, yeah. Um, those were very good tips and on a lesser value for me because I remember there was a time when I, I felt like I had to explain why I was Nigerian and why, what I was doing here. I had to always explain myself. Yeah. And, of course, that made you want to just keep away from certain crowds. But now totally. I just want to fly like a like a bad like, This is me. Like My accent is different because I'm Nigerian. My words flow. My words flow out like honey. Here in the U.S., and yes, I'm learning Korean. I'll give you a hot second to let that wrap around your head and we can start having a conversation about it. Exactly. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're in this category, remember, don't, don't be shy about it. Bring your cultural richness to your life and work and you don't have to be afraid or you don't have to be ashamed about who you are. It's a blessing to have that, even the language part of it, you know. Totally. Most, most international people you meet, they speak more than one language and how many people can boast of being that bilingual or even like a polygon? Totally, Very totally. Good. Very good. So I know currently you work at the change school and what? I did, I did a, a little bit of a search on it, and oh my goodness, you guys are very extensive. So for those that are curious about what you do, can you just, in, a, in, in very quick words, tell us what the Change School is and what you offer to people that might be listening to this podcast? Absolutely. So, yeah, um, we set up the Change School, my business partner and I, Grace, in 2013, and really it was born out of our own experiences with um, feeling stuck in trying to figure out what our career path was. Um, and so, you know, we are really a school of self-empowerment um, for transformational learning, for career change, um, and for companies to, to change. Um, and so we, uh, we basically create ex immersive learning experiences, tools, products, and programs um, that really first and foremost aim to help people um, find their career direction or to change yeah. careers. Um, and then, and then we work with organizations as well. Oh, great. And, um, so do you work with people? Do they have to be there in person or do you do online, um, coaching as well? So it's quite a mix. Um, you know, when we started, we were really focused on, um, in-person retreats, in-person workshops, um, for yeah. communities as well as organizations. Um, more recently, we've really shifted into the online space because we wanted it to be more accessible and we wanted to really scale our impact. Um, so the key thing that we're focused on right now is an immersive six-week online course. Um, we've called it Bold Career Move. Um, so it's really all about helping people to confidently create their bold career um, change or dream or aspiration. Very good, very good. Um, and for those that I want to be, um, that want to connect with you as a client, where can you be rich? Yeah, so I would, I love it when people connect with me, especially after doing podcast interviews like this. I love getting yeah. um, little notes, you know. So I'm yeah. happy to share my email address, which is just salonia at thechangeschool.com. 
Um, and, you know, if anybody listening to this might be interested in knowing more about the work that we do or even, you know, already knows that they're struggling and wanting to make a career change, um, then they can reach out to find out more. Okay. And I'll put that, I'll put all that information on your synopsis when that goes up on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah, great. All right. I think it's a good time now for us to move to the Mardi Gras section. Yay! Cool. Yay! Welcome to the Mardi Gras section. So the question Salonia has chosen is this. Salonia, you get to make the rules. What are they? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I loved, um, well, I loved all the questions that you shared, and I picked this one because it resonated the most with me. And the reason really is that I'm not, you know, I I think as I shared earlier, I've been going through my own sort of evolution, growth, and always Mm -hmm. trying to refine my identity. Um, And something I think I've really been trying to imbibe um, for myself lately is that, you know, I'm I'm really not into rules. Um, and I think part of my unraveling is realizing that actually everybody gets to make their own rules. Um, and I think that, you know, my own sort of cultural background, identity, everything we've talked about today is really all about this, is that, you know, as a society, we're so fixated on labels, on, you know, categories, the right way of doing things, the wrong way of doing things. Um, And I think that that actually hinders us from being authentic and being true to who we are. Um, And so my big rule is that, you know, make your own rules. Um, That's that's really it. And and you do that by making mistakes, um, by being an adventurer in life and trying new things and, um, and deciding for yourself through a process of like reflection right I think we don't we're always so fast paced we're always trying to go 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 we don't take enough time to reflect and ask ourselves okay what am I learning today how is it changing me and you know what is a rule that I want to live by for myself Um, and I think that's true of you know, your personal identity I think it's true of your career and how you carve a career path for yourself um, I think it's true of our, you know, even our personal relationships, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, I could talk about this forever, but that's really so. <laughs> one rule is like there are no rules and everyone no is making their own. That's very deep. That's really, really very deep. Thank you, Sonia. So we're, we're kind of at the near of the end of the podcast. And I'd like to ask you a final question before you go. It's what I usually ask my guests with similar backgrounds as yours. So thinking about your experience, you know, being American, born, um, Taiwanese, Ethiopian, and now living in Singapore, if there was one thing you could go back and change differently about your whole journey, what would that be and why? Wow. Um, gosh, well, you know, it's it's a tough one for me to answer because in general I just, I don't believe in living with any regrets. I don't believe, you know, sure, there's a, there's a lot of things I, I might have done differently because, you know, the beauty of hindsight is it's always 2020 vision when you look back, right? Um, but I think, you know, I think if anything, I probably wish that I had learned to become more comfortable, more grateful for how different I am a bit earlier in my life. 
maybe, you know, but on the flip side, it's even that's hard for me to really say and believe because I think everything, everything that happens to us in life, especially the challenges, um, are what make us who we are. And so, you know, it's kind of a beat around the bush answer, but I guess I would say short answer is I would change nothing. Um, you know, and if anything, I just wish I, I had come into this sort of mindset sooner in yeah. life. That's it. Wow. That's a very good answer, actually. Change nothing and live life without regret. So um, it's been really nice having you aboard today. We talked about so many things. I think for me, I took so many things from our conversation. But one that I would like to reiterate for the sake of our audience is to be very comfortable in who, in who you are and your identity as a culturally rich person and find your tribe. It makes a lot of things easier. Find people that would understand your journey. Not necessarily secluding yourself to those people, but the more you fill yourself up by, you know, hanging out with people that understand your story, the better things are for you. Embrace your cultural richness and let that reflect in your life work and also what you practice as your job. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's that. Are there any final points you have? No, I think you summarized it perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Could you say your um, email address again, how people can contact you? Sure. It's just salonia at thechangeschool.com. That's S-O-L-O-N-I-A at thechangeschool.com. Thank you very much. Well, um, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Most Simple Podcast. It's been quite a thrill interviewing Salonia, who is an American-born Taiwanese Ethiopian currently living in Singapore. If you loved what you just heard, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And you can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter as Atmosivo. And thank you so much for um, tuning in and talk to you guys soon. Well, that was it, Salonia. How did you feel? (laughs) Oh, it's great. Thanks so much. I loved it. Thank you so much. And have a very wonderful day in Singapore. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we connected. Thanks for reaching out. Same here. All right. All right. We'll keep in touch. Yes, definitely.